0: You're listening to an episode from Season 2 of The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. Just search for The Player's Voice wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find plenty more conversations like these. Enjoy! Welcome to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, where this week we are joined by Dublin's All-Star and All-Ireland winner, Leah Caffrey. My name is Alan O'Mara. I'm the host of this podcast, a former Cavan goalkeeper and a performance and wellbeing consultant with sports and business leaders around the world. Leah spoke to me from Ballymaloo Cookery School, where she is currently navigating a significant career change and challenging herself to be much more than a footballer. She also talks about the highs of winning multiple All-Irelands, benefiting from time away from the inter-county scene, as well as the importance of friendship and connection in sport. The Players' Voice is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. The podcast series is part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers intercounty players across four key areas: life skills, wellbeing, dual career, and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. To find out more about me or my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant. Please go to www.realtalks.ie. But for now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the player's voice with Leah Caffrey. Leah Caffrey, thanks so much for joining us on the player's voice. We're really, really appreciative of you taking the time out from your busy schedule. I was just going to start by asking to you. I think you're coming to us from Bali Malu Cookery School. So I was just going to ask you to tell us about kind of what brought you there and what you're up to.
1: Yeah, perfect. Um, so I'd always kind of had an interest in food and, and I'd always kind of known about the Ballymanue course. So um, last year I was working in finance um, and I had been for a few years. And then I just kind of made the decision to um, make a career change and yeah, booked for the course. So I've been here since January.
0: Okay, so is it in, like are you there full time at the moment? Like, is that like an intensive, fully immersed course for a period of time?
1: Yeah, so it's a twelve week course that I'm on at the minute. So they run them like three times a year. So, um, yeah, I'm on the twelve week course at the minute.
0: Cool. I've like I've heard about it and like I'm familiar with it, but obviously I've never talked to anyone that's done it. And you're definitely the first player to come on the player's voice that's that's been in that course. I feel like we've had people from all sorts of various backgrounds and different sectors and different things. So, kind of tell us a little bit, kind of what the day to day is like there, what it's lo- what it's been like as an experience for you. Because obviously, if you're transitioning out from finance, which you said it was, I presume it's quite a different day to day dynamic and experience, is it? Yeah,
1: perfectly. Um, so it's basically the cookery school is on an organic farm. So all the food that we cook is like basically taken from the farm and um it's all about using like seasonal ingredients so um Monday Tuesday Thursday and Friday we're in the kitchens from like half eight until about one o'clock cooking basically And um, so and then in the afternoons we watch a demonstration um from Rory or Rachel Allen and and um, then the next day we'll cook what we've watched them make um but yeah basically Covers all types of food, um, but using like in season ingredients is basically the the big thing here, yeah.
0: And what what's it like, or what's it been like as an experience then for you? Is it, is it something that I know you said already that like your food is something that you're interested in, but is this like in your comfort zone? Is this outside your comfort zone? Kind of what's the yeah. where are you on that scale at the minute?
1: Um, so at the start, like. You know would have been it would have been okay like you know grand of cooking or whatever but definitely get a bit of confidence after i'm um, in week eight now so um would be you know confident enough but then um, yeah it's like you're learning stuff every day in the kitchens and and um, there's all different you know techniques as the weeks go on it's getting more difficult and um, so yeah definitely improving which is a good sign <laughs>
0: What kind of stuff have have you been learning? Like, what's the if you if you could reflect on like the eight weeks so far of what you've done? Like, what's the kind of couple of key takeaways or key kind of life lessons that are that are sticking with you from the experience so far?
1: Um, I suppose plating up everything has to look good, and um, so that'll be one thing that is definitely. I wouldn't be great at that now so like kind of presenting food and stuff but they're so good at it here that like when you watch them in the demonstration how much you know they're very delicate with everything but um, yeah I think like there's so many different types of foods and things that you're trying to make and there's like a bread shed and loads of like extra kind of curricular stuff that you can do. So, um, I yeah, particularly like the baking side of things and the bread. So, um, I've been trying to do that as much as I can. So, the day is like quite busy, but you can get up earlier and go to the bread shed from like 7 a.m. and you know start making your bread from then. And then once you go into the kitchen, you can bake it and stuff. And, um, and but yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of learning, so I don't know exactly the minute.
0: And how would, it, how would it compare then to like obviously the more traditional backgrounds in terms of say like an undergrad course or a master's course where maybe you're in every day, but also maybe you're just checking in the evening sometimes or it's a bit more part-time. What's it been like for you then in terms of, because it sounds like, and it must be quite an immersive experience then, is it where it's kind of yeah. like, hey, you're here and you live here now, like basically, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, it's, it is like quite like being in a bubble. So like there's lots of like duties as well like with being on the course so you could be up at like half seven on herb duty where you have to go and basically pick all the herbs or salad leaves for like the lunch that day and stuff so you're kind of like learning how everything grows and then you're in the kitchen learning how it's made and whatever so it is definitely like an immersive experience all of the like accommodation is on the farm here so it's in um, little cottages and so I've like six roommates and so like you're here full-time but yeah it's really enjoyable it's really good I'm really enjoying it so far.
0: And then I'm just curious like what's it like to be in that like you I think you said bubble there like of if it's all organic stuff like going in the morning to like find herbs to bring back like is that? I suppose I'm curious, like, would you be comfortable in terms of, is that making you like, be more present with yourself and kind of day to day? Does that freak you out a little bit? Is it outside your comfort zone? Because it it really does sound like, I mean, it must be just very different to what you were doing before, is it?
1: Yeah, no, it is. It's totally different. But like, loving it so far, to be honest, it's like, you're in the kitchen and like, it's so hectic, you know, there's like no time on your phone or anything, which is lovely. And you're just kind of immersed in it from the get-go so and um, it's really enjoyable yeah and you are very like present throughout the day which is nice and a big change for me i would have been like working from home a lot and and yeah, always sitting down on my computer and stuff
0: yeah so maybe tell us a little bit um like tell me a little bit more about the decision to jump in ultimately the deep end there because like you know it would I'm sure it would have been easy to go and do a part-time course one night a week for eight weeks or whatever and kind of dip your toe in the water so kind of tell us a little bit about the build-up to that decision and kind of what drove you what motivated you to really take on such a such a new and different challenge
1: yeah so um so basically like I'd always kind of had an idea in my head that I'd like to do something with food and but you know never really tapped into it and then as I was getting a bit older, I was kind of thinking of the next stage or whatever, and, and I'd been chatting to my my mum and dad about it and just kind of saying I was, it was something I was thinking about doing. And kind of when we went into the pandemic, and I kind of, you know, it was like, is this what I want to do forever? It's like staying in finance and I just long term couldn't see myself doing it. So um, my parents were really supportive and, you know, they encouraged me to to go for the course. So. And um, last year I just, yeah, decided to go for it and made <laughs> the decision to switch. But there's actually um, a good few people here on the course as well who've like done similar where they were in a like job in finance and they just couldn't see it going for them long time or long term. And yeah, they've come to the course as, well for, as a career move.
0: And I'll ask, like, was it like, was it daunting or scary to kind of have to look in the mirror to ask those deep questions kind of of gonna do a heavy pivot like was that like did it scare you
1: yeah no it definitely was <laughs> yeah no there was definitely a lot of moments where I was like what am I doing and um, but like my family and my friends were all very supportive and they kind of were like no just keep going with it like you just have to you know it was a supportive like it was a secure job I was in and like everything was you know lovely in the team I was working with were so nice but I was just like I just couldn't see myself doing it long term. So I was like, look, I'll just go for it now while like I can. So, yeah.
0: And as you said, like there was, am I right in saying like this was something that like ultimately had bubbling in the background and maybe you thought about it before or envisioned it before. So it wasn't like it was a complete like, oh, I'm just going to grab this and go with it now. It sounds like it was something that had bubbled up and it was almost... Did you just have to find the courage, like, to make the decision or take the plunge? Is that was yeah. what that kind of process was like for you.
1: Yeah, that's what it would have been. I would, like, I'd always thought about doing it, but just never really had the courage to do it. But eventually, uh, last year, yeah, made the decision to come.
0: And then, so I'm curious, then, like, so with that, like, we've already like on the players' voice, we've talked to so many different players and so many different backgrounds, different transitions, different career changes what what changes in terms of your your life your your thoughts or your feelings where that courage does present itself or you do find that courage to make cause quite a big decision in terms of you know career progression or the kind of life or path that you want. What kind of changes around that time that makes you go, do you know what, I'm going to do it now basically? Because I feel like a lot of the time with players, they could be like, do you know what, I'll just kick that down the road until maybe I finish playing because I'll kind of figure that part of it out then. Yeah. What kind of made you try and navigate it now?
1: Um, I suppose it was probably during the pandemic when we had a bit more time to kind of think about things and um, like sitting at home on the laptop, I just didn't really feel like I was kind of getting the best out of myself. So I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, what do I want to do? If I want to make a decision and change, like, now's the time to do it. So that was kind of what, like, basically pushed me to to just go for it.
0: Good for you. It's like, it definitely sounds like, there's definitely seems like there's a sense of adventure to it. Hmm. Um, And I suppose then, what so you take the plunge now you're in you're kind of two thirds of the way through this 12 week immersive intensive course what does kind of what's the vision or kind of the the plan for post this look like like what's the what's this a launch pad to if anything like what's kind of bouncing around in your head with regards to that
1: Um, yeah so I have a few ideas at the minute kind of I'd like to get a bit of experience in a kitchen first of all and then apart from that I would like to do something myself kind of that'd be like the end goal, but um, between now and then I probably will just try and get a bit of experience in the kitchen just to, you know, see how everything works and and then hopefully try start something myself, um, on the side. But yeah. There's a few ideas and it's kind of exciting, but um, nothing is solid yet. <laughs>
0: no, of course. It's like, I feel like as well, when people make decisions like that, people are always like, hey, what's your plan? Where are you going? Like, tell me your five-year plan. And obviously, it's, it very rarely works like that. Um, Would you say in a kitchen, like that's obviously, just so I'm like in clear, that's experiences like as a chef, like hands-on, like yeah. working as a chef, right?
1: Yeah. So I like to go into the cafe kind of things, just like... Um, that's kind of food I would like to get into, like breakfast and um, brunch, lunch kind of food. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Mm. Um, Not so exciting. Good. It's. Um, and then what, what's it like? Is this your first time? Is this your first time being away from home? Like when you did your, your undergrad and masters, were you always around Dublin? Is this your first time kind of being out of the home bubble?
1: Yeah. So um, I was away for a year in Vancouver, but apart from that, I would have been at home. Um, and just moved out recently enough as well. So, um, yeah, it's not, It's really nice being down here. Like the, what do you call it, the area around here is so nice and it's beside the sea and, you know, it, there's loads of fresh air. And yeah, it's definitely different to living in Dublin, but it's, it's really, really nice.
0: And then, am I right in saying, so like you're down there now for 12 weeks, but obviously pre-season and season is happening too so as of right now like are you travelling up and down to Dublin is that like are you balancing those commitments or how is that working practically for you?
1: Yeah so at the minute I am training down here myself during the week so Mick and all the management team have been really really great and really supportive um, of me being down here so basically I'll do my own sessions three times during the week down here and then I'd go back on the weekends and join the team so whether it's for training or just for matches or whatever. But um, yeah, I link in with them regularly and then do my own stuff down here and do my own running on local DA down here. And yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You let out a little chuckle there. Are you enjoying the running on your own or do you miss the group sessions? I
1: definitely miss the group. I don't think I'd be very good at uh, individual sports. Um, but no, it's grand and it's manageable for the minute, which is great. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I suppose just practically, like, has, is being away from Dublin and traveling back, like, has that changed your view or perspective on that? And in terms of, like, career and training, like, has that challenged you in any way?
1: Um, Not so much. I think, like, I don't mind the drive, driving at all. It's actually, it's, I don't really, I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of nice to have, like, a bit of time to yourself. But um, it's, I suppose, it was like, it's normal for a lot of people training and you know, Dublin or, like, training wherever and then living in Dublin. But um, I I don't know. I, I, so I was thinking about, like, what or where I'd set up if I had something. Um, I'm not 100% sure at the minute. Like, it is nice, you know, being outside of Dublin, but then I also do love living in Dublin as well. So, uh, yeah.
0: I was going to ask you, like, with, like, so being down in Ballymaloo at the moment and that's kind of, like, it in itself is a... That we've used the word like bubble, where you're kind of out of your normal routine. And then I suppose an extra layer on that is you're missing like those those group trainings during the week. So what's it been like to have like, I suppose, extended chunks of probably alone time or me time or space to like, to think or reflect, to kind of, I know I'm sure you're busy down there. I don't think you're sitting around like, just wow. like, you know, um, chilling the beans down there. But like, what's that been like to have that kind of,
1: Yeah. in
0: some ways it sounds like there's almost like a there's almost like an unplug from general life to be where you are, is there?
1: Yeah, no, there definitely is. It's like different to anything I've ever done before, but um, it is like, it is hectic. So like you would, I, I don't have that much time to myself or whatever. And, you know, when we do finish up with um, like the classes or whatever we're doing in the evenings, then I'd be kind of going straight to the gym or like going to the pit to try and get my runs in before it gets dark and stuff. So it is full on, and but it's it's lovely to be able to, to do this and like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very nice. And like, it is kind of way more different than like any other January, February or March I've ever done before pre-season basically. But um, it's, yeah, it's working out well for the minute, which is good.
0: Brilliant. Um, And kind of my last question around and that chunk or like that, that pillar of your life at the moment, like, are you, obviously, so you're, you're in it now and there's kind of the excitement of doing it and learning it and kind of the whole new experience. Are you excited then for kind of what's going to come next and kind of the the new path that this will send you down from like a personal career point of view? Because it is or is, ultimately, it is a big change in direction of what yeah. from where, where you have been and what you have been doing to what's going to come next. So I was kind of like, are you excited about that?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah I'm really excited because, I mean, I'm trying to kind of tease out my ideas at the minute and trying to, you know, see what job opportunities there could be. So um, it is really exciting. It's, you know, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen, which is, it's nice. Yeah.
0: Are you comfortable with that? I suppose like there's a kind of a, I always go back to, you know, you think of when you're back in school and like you get the career guidance counselors, like, yeah, "Yeah, you're going to go do this course and then work in this and then you do that. And then like, it's really linear, but like, are you kind of comfortable? It sounds like you're, you have a sense of comfort in that. Yeah, it's a little messy or it's a little kind of like, mightn't be fully clear but you're kind of up for us for the adventure kind of what's going to come around or yeah if i'm picking that up wrong please tell me
1: no that is so uh, like probably like when i left my job i was kind of like what the hell am i doing like am i not like but now as you kind of sit in it a bit longer and you know you meet other people who are in the same situation as you it's you know kind of exciting to think like you know it's just a bit of time to reset and kind of you know see what you actually want to do and if you want to start something then now's the time or if you want to go into get a job in a kitchen just as a bit of experience that's an opportunity as well. So, and um, it is yeah it's really nice it's really exciting.
0: Yeah and that sense of like change and I know you mentioned reset there and you'd mentioned earlier about a year in Canada like even jumping back to that time Leah like it was was that a helpful time in terms of like having kind of gone through change or kind of making big decisions like that before to to leave the Dublin setup? If it was to leave job or I don't I'm not sure if it was college at the time where you've kind of navigated those kind of bigger decision and changes before, and I get the sense that it kind of works out okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose like at the time with Canada, I was probably you know wanted something a bit different, and um, and that was just kind of for myself. Whereas like this is more like career, and um, but uh, like. Yeah, like it's, you know, it was a big decision, but I suppose, you know, life's short, so you <laughs> have to make a decision, yeah. It
0: does sound like over the last couple of years, obviously, you've been like doing some digging or exploring in terms of who you are as a person and kind of what that side of your life is going to look like after playing. Is it, again, like I kind of yeah. come back to it where often, and it's, it's come up on this podcast before The of like players will be fully immersed and that kind of sense of identity takes over. And yeah. I'm not for one second saying it's not a huge, yeah. big chunk of your life because I, I know it is. But like it does sound like you've been consciously trying to maybe push the boundaries or kind of stretch out the other parts of yourself yeah. while while trying to play also. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, no, I would, I would be aware that like I would want to be more than, you know, just... The football <laughs> someone plays football you know in the way like um, and this definitely was a move towards like what I'll be doing after and stuff like that. But yeah.
0: I was just curious kind of going back to that year in Canada where obviously it was for yourself and traveling and kind of get a new experience. But at that point, so that's twenty I think that was twenty nineteen Leah was it? Yeah. So like at that point you're you've already been in like the Dublin setup for I think that would make it six was it five, six years?
1: Yeah I joined in twenty thirteen. So yeah six years.
0: Okay. So like, kind of just take, going back to what we just kind of talked about, like Leah, like Caffrey, the footballer, and the person, and kind of mixing and matching those. How difficult was it to kind of step away from the setup at that point? Because by twenty nineteen, I'm just thinking. So you're there like those five years, but there's kind of been he's lost a couple of finals, and then you've had the breakthrough. Yeah. Um. So you're leaving just after you you just win the first one. Am I right in saying that?
1: Uh, we'd won two, so they were going for Two,
0: sorry, yeah. yes, for 17 and 18, right. Um, so how hard was it to kind of have been on that journey and experience like the final defeat, final defeat, final defeat, and then like you get a win, you get a win. Talk me a little bit about kind of the decision at that time, kind of what was going on and kind of um, what drove you to kind of make that decision.
1: Yeah, um, so I suppose I'd been playing six years at that stage, so um, I was just finished my Masters as well, so and I was quite I think exhausted like football wise because I was playing football with you know your county then club then college as well and there's really not much break at all during that and I was like five years of that so and I found that I just kind of needed a break from it all it was like there was a lot going on and Then when I did go away, I found it was just nice to kind of do other things and try new things and meet new people and just kind of, yeah, live a different way of life. And then when I came back, I stayed there for like 13 months. And then when I came back, I was like, you know, re-energized and really looking forward to getting back into football and seeing all the girls. And yeah.
0: (laughs) You said like that kind of constant flow of from and whatever they the chicken and egg comes first, like from the from Dublin to Nafina to DCU, because DCU, you're in college a bit, right? Yeah. So that, that kind of flow of one, two, three, just never ending five, six years, like it, it sounds like obviously you get to a point where you're just feeling like a little bit burned out by like the demands of that and the never ending kind of part of what was the GA season, was it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like just, there was hardly any breaks in it, I remember. And I was just like, I kind of, yeah needed just something to kind of reset myself and just kind of have a bit of a break enjoy yourself yeah
0: in, in terms of the demands of that Leah like was it was it physically was it mentally kind of what what where were you at with that kind of by say tw- end of 2018 then or, t- or 2019 going like what was it a was it physical mental or was it both kind of where were you where were you at as an individual with it all
1: uh, like physically I was grand um but it was probably like more mentally I was just like I'm not really enjoying this as much as I used to, so I was looking to, yeah, just kind of take a to- bit of time out, and then like hope that I would come back. And yeah, I found that I really did miss it when I was away. So yeah.
0: When you were away, then what did like what did you miss? At? What did you miss about? Miss about? Excuse me, out of interest.
1: Um, I suppose like physical exercise part of it, but then also the team. Um, and the girls and stuff, um, like the girls that are on the team, I would have been like f- knowing them for years since I was so young. So um, it was definitely like a really big change for me to like leave them. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was very nice of them when I came home and to see everybody again. But you do kind of realise what it's like to like not be in the, the football bubble or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's positives and negatives as to everything.
0: Could you talk to us a little bit about the kind of positives and negatives of that? Because I know, again, previous conversations and future conversations we'll have on this podcast, we've had some players who've taken a break and it's been refreshing and come back. Um, like I think it was Niall McNamee one that comes to mind where he like took a year out and ultimately was able to come back for another couple of years. And he said if he hadn't have taken the year out, he wouldn't have lasted as long as he did. Mm. Um, so I suppose before we kind of come to coming back, on like, what? What did that year out like teach you about yourself in terms of those pros and cons? Like what kind of, did it dig up anything or highlight anything to you that's maybe benefited your life or who you are?
1: Um, I suppose you kind of like learn a bit more about like how you function and you know why I was playing sports and why I was loving playing as part of a team and stuff like that. And um, yeah, like I, I missed like the like team environment and like I suppose that was why I wanted to come back and play straight away and but it was definitely like a welcome break. Also needed just kinda of have a bit of time to yourself and to kind of see what direction you want to go in and stuff. But yeah. And
0: then in terms of even just like the the physical activity, the training end of it, like did you just like, just curious, like, did you like completely unplug from it? Sometimes when I've talked to players, they'll be like, yeah, no, I jump straight in and I start training for a marathon myself mm-hmm. or yeah. I went to play golf and I want to get my handicap down by this. But then sometimes people just want to like actually relax and kind of let it, um, you know, rediscover walking or jogging. Because sometimes when you place to such a high level, it almost like confuses our relationship between like training and exercise. So just kind of curious how you navigated or what that kind of part of the journey was like.
1: Yeah, um, I suppose when I went over first of all, I was kind of just like, no, don't want to do anything, kind of, you know, just want a break, don't want to be doing everything every day of the week. So I didn't do much, I think, for the first few months. And then I kind of realised, oh God, I'm in kind of bad form here, so I need to start doing something. And so when we were over there, we like, there's loads of hiking and everything, so did loads of that. Then I still kept up like kind of my own gym programme when I was over there. And then would have tried like loads of fitness classes and I did a good bit of like F45 and stuff like that over there and it's kind of different forms of exercise basically that I wouldn't have had the chance to do when I was here. And um, But it was, yeah, like a good bit of cycling, a good bit of uh, walking and yeah, hiking mostly. Um, but yeah, different, just kind of um, different forms of exercise which I wouldn't have had the chance to do over here.
0: And like, did you find like... Was it able to kind of fill the void, tick the box, kind of get your endorphin hit that you were looking for, or was it kind of a bit of a like uh, I tried it great, but like you know I won't miss that a whole while.
1: Um, I mean, like I think I got what out of it, what I you know had just anticipated. It's not the same as a team sport or anything, but I did. And um, like I did join, like there was a Gaelic football team or team over there which I joined for a while, but. Then I kind of realised I actually didn't really want to do the whole serious commitment, which it actually turned out there was a bit of a drive and stuff to training and stuff. And I was like, no, I do that at home. I don't want to do that here. So um, I didn't pursue that. But um, yeah, you would miss like, I, well, I miss the team uh, this fourth or like the camaraderie, I suppose, side of it.
0: Yeah, one of the things that just pops to mind as I'm listening to you there, even say like the GA experience of being abroad, like some people will go and be like, oh, it was great, it was really refreshing. Like, you know, just to be in a different environment and play the game you love. But it sounds like, and it's come up kind of a couple of decisions you've talked us through, be it that one, be it like, you know, if it was going to Canada or changing career, would you be quite like a, it sounds like you've got quite a sense of self-awareness or you kind of would be reflective on yourself and kind of looking around you as to what am I doing and why? Is that something that, uh, is that yeah. something that pops up in your life or kinda of how you operate?
1: Yeah, I think I would check in with myself a good bit and and my my parents will be good with that as well. So yeah, I think I um, if I would kind of assess things and see if like if I'm not enjoying this then stepping away would be the good decision then I suppose I'd follow through to this, yeah. And then
0: okay, so then like and then taking like building on that, like when you so when you come back like is there any self-doubt? Is there any kind of worry about jumping straight back into the setup from a physical point of view or a mental point of view? Or are you going back like ready to hit the road running and kinda of get back in there?
1: Um, no, physically definitely needed to adjust. Um, like I suppose I haven't been <laughs> kind of running really over there. So um yeah, physically needed to adjust when I came back. Um and then there was obviously a bit of say ups out. You're like, God, I've been away for a year, like will I be able to get back in? Um, but then I feel like once you're just back in the group and back to happy to see everybody, it's kind of like normal and doesn't feel like you've been gone for too long. So, um, yeah, I think I kind of settled in then after yeah a month or two, I been mean, I was nervous going back though.
0: I don't know, like it was nervous about like, nervous about what, like?
1: Like if anything has changed or like if I would like not be able to, you know, keep up with the pace or, you know, yeah, the usual. <laughs>
0: So, like I think that makes total sense because like I think it's one of the like with GA players in particular, like they're all, like one of the things that often scares someone from taking a break or stepping away is that, you know, like you just get left behind and the show goes on, or that yeah. you won't be able to make up the ground when you come back. So I think like all that kind of self doubt and that kind of stuff is is completely natural. Um and I suppose what I was thinking about was like coming back in then, Leah. Like so then like you're coming back in have you got a greater sense of kind of perspective on kind of what it is that it gives to your life like why you play um, and kind of like what impact you want to make on the group because you've kind of been away from it like do you come back in a little more kind of aware or with a bit more perspective as kind of what you want that part of your life to to be like or to look like
1: yeah I suppose you've obviously been away from it so when you come back in you're a little bit fresh and you've a kind of fresher take on things and I suppose so if you've you know I was there for six years so um, hadn't kind of experienced anything else. So it definitely was for me coming in, like I was wanting to get more out of myself when I came back.
0: The Dublin aspect of your life has been a huge chunk and a huge like um, part of you growing up. And I'm sure it was, was it something like from a kid that was like, yeah, like I'm playing my club. It's obviously your family has has rich history in GA as well. So like, was it something that that was what you always aspired to and wanted?
1: Um, it was, yeah. So um my dad would have played with Dublin, so like we always, as kids, like my sister and my brothers, we always would have known that. But yeah. then when I was like eleven, was that
0: him telling you or other people? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but then uh, what you call? It, I got um, asked to the Dublin development squad when I was like eleven, um, and I think that was the first year of it. And then like the friends that I made um, at that camp were like the friends that I still have today. So and um, I think like who was that? So it would be like Siobhan Woods and Sarah McCaffrey. The three of us were like kind of very tied all the way up and Dean Murphy as well. Um, but it would be like kind of the, the girls and the friendships, I think, that would really like bring me back to football and, and keep me going back every year. And I mean, there's obviously other parts to it, but the friendships are definitely the main thing.
0: In the last couple of years has been a very like, Double, like, because you've won the fo- like four in a row it was like oh it's all rosy it's all great but I think in some time it's been lost in some parts of it of like the hardship of the couple of years before that in terms of those repeated finals mm-hmm. Um. so what was it like for you as like a young player coming in and kind of getting to those big days but then the group came up short it was three years in a row right just on, obviously on the biggest day of the season yeah. what was that like from a mental perspective when you when you look back now?
1: Yeah Um. I suppose, you know, we were doing really well and then getting to the final, but then, like, coming up so... Like, just coming up short, but only by, like, a point. So, and three years in a row as well, it kind of made you reflect on, like, you know, like, there's literally tiny things going around for us here that could change the game. So it was kind of a good learning lesson, you know, to the point that, like, you know, every little tackle, every, you know, dispossession, everything counts. You know, in a match, it can just be the case of, like... One block and turned the whole game around basically. And I think three losses in a row kind of woke us up to that fact. And um, yeah, definitely, you know, maybe I was a bit naive when I was younger and, you know, we were getting to finals and then losing by a point, but you kind of, you know, learn those lessons quite quickly then after three in a row.
0: <laughs> mm. yeah, you, like you mentioned those lessons there, like as a taking it from an individual perspective, like both in terms of. Like, the, like as a person but also as a player like what are the kind of lessons that's embedding into you? like obviously resilience is one word that comes to mind in terms of like the ability to keep coming back to keep showing up and not be like kind of pushed aside or kind of fade away from it and I don't want to put that word into your mouth but just in terms of those the lessons that you got from that kind of window of time because I'm sure there's stuff you learn that sticks with you now both in your day-to-day life and also when you're playing is there?
1: Yeah I suppose like um I just wouldn't want to have any regrets if I'm playing a match. Like I want to make sure that you know I've done everything I can to kind of help. And, and I think that's kind of learned from those three years of like just, you know, being so close, but not being there. And you just want to come off the pitch and make sure that you've done everything that you can to, to help to put the team over the line, basically. But um, yeah, I suppose that applies to everything as well.
0: So like that sense of I, feel, I mean say the phrase no regrets right like we all like we've seen the sketches or we've all being dressed in was where there's someone up on a table screaming like let's go out here no regrets like let's give it everything, um, and I, I suppose I would be curious kind of what that mean what the, what that phrase meant to you as an individual when you were playing if it was on the field or if it was preparation like how taking that kind of that mantra or that kind of philosophy like down into who you are into your life into your actions and behaviors like what did that look like practically.
1: Um, I suppose like just when you're in a match, you know, and there's like, well, I'm defender, so it's kind of like tackles, tackles, tackles. So just kind of pushing yourself to go that extra bit to make sure that, you know, if you had something left in you that you could, you could give it. And then at the end of the game, you know, that you've given it your all. That's kind of what my idea of it is anyways. And yeah.
0: Is that something like from a defensive mindset like is that something that, that you would pride yourself on in terms of like that kind of tackle counter being a tempo setter um, or being a I suppose driving standards or inspiring people like through if it's your actions maybe more so than your words or are you like would you be a speaker like
1: um, but I don't um maybe they're both but like I suppose if I see someone on the bit kind of you know Putting in the hard work, then it kind of inspires you to do the same. So, um, I know when I came up, like, Goldie, for example, would have been that person. So, um, yeah, I think, like, actions definitely do speak very loud. So, you know, if you can, yeah, put in that extra tackle on the pitch, then, yeah.
0: Like, that's obviously easier said than done. And I can't kind of help but ask the question of, like, Within that window of those all Ireland final defeats in the three in a row, was there ever a sense where you questioned, like, am I going to keep signing up for this? Will I keep soldiering? Like, was genuinely, like, was there ever a time where you considered, but like, you know what, this is this is too hard, or this like the pain of the fee hurts too much? Was there ever was that any of that ever in your mind?
1: Um, to be honest, I kind of just thought that I'd be always there, and um, now I did go on. Uh, Visa, a summer visa to America as well in 2015 so I wasn't actually there for that final but um, for the, the other two years I mean like we were away and then you come back into it and you just want to go again and yeah thankfully we got over the line after four years which was great
0: Yeah so t- like tell me about that one then like because obviously um, you're a little bit further down the line now where you can almost like reflect back on it you know where it's just sometimes when you win and it's just like the the euphoria and the school visits and they're kind of running around like mad things for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But it's and that's all brilliant by all means. But looking at it, looking back at it now with a sense of like perspective or retrospective kind of, tell me about that kind of breakthrough win and what that was like to be part of and just the whole experience for you.
1: Yeah, it was great. Um like, I just remember with my family, like it was great because they'd kind of been there for all the heartbreak of like the three years beforehand. So, um, for me, like it was just very nice to be able to go back and give them a hug and, you know, um, after winning because um, they know like everything that goes into it and they put probably more into it than I do a lot of the time. Um, but yeah. How do you mean? I suppose the stress of it all, my mom probably feels it. <laughs> but yeah, like, it was just lovely and just with the guy and together, like the team to to win together and to know what that feels like was, yeah, that was probably the main positive for me. Like, you know, we finally did it. We finally got over the line after a good few years of heartbreak.
0: Obviously, you can only ever, ke- like, connect the dots when you're looking back, whatever that like, whatever that phrase is. But, like, to Do you remember the final whistle aspect of that game? Because I know it's obviously going back a couple of years now, but do you remember like the moment and the kind of like the immediate kind of emotions or feelings that present at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like well, we couldn't believe it because, you know, we were so used to being in Crow Park and then not being in the winning dressing room. So, um I think we all kind of didn't know what was going on and kind of were all Running around screaming for most of the time, and then you go into the dressing room, and um, yeah, just like yeah, it was. It's just you won't forget it. Like it's really enjoyable, and I suppose that's why you're going back the next year.
0: <laughs> and then to that point, like, how at what point does the mindset shift to like, yes, we're going back next year, we're going to try back this up, um, and obviously, you you as a group get to do that successfully. Like multiple times, I know like two episodes ago when I was talking to Niall Morgan, like the, he talked about, say, winning the All-Ireland and then kind of not following it up and kind of the difference of going from maybe, you know, the hunters to being the hunted and then kind of even just a small kind of, if it's the mental shifts of individuals that leak into a group or a collective thing. At what point does the kind of mindset shift? And then I suppose I'd be very curious as to kind of how you were able to sustain and maintain the standards that you you had as a group because ultimately you are able to keep that success going.
1: Yeah um I suppose like like you know you get you win and then it's like the focus is not next year straight away which I mean I kind of that would have been my thoughts anyways but um You know, in that gang and in that team that we had where we, you know, were successful, that there was a lot of like strong leaders and, you know, strong characters. And I suppose that's what helped us to go on and and achieve success after the first win. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, we kind of always were pushing out each other and, you know, that's what allowed us to go on and to keep improving.
0: So definitely so like there's there's strong leaders in that group. And I'm thinking of people like like Lindsay Davy and the Well Healy and Nicole Owens and I'm sure there was, I could go through the whole the whole group of them. Um I suppose as the years go on though, they like they like, like like everything, like everything keeps evolving and keeps moving, and some players leave and like leave McAvoy's whatever comes to mind. And that's just part of all team sports. I'm kind of thinking like, has your role within the group evolved or like and obviously have you evolved as a person in terms of going from maybe being one of those younger people coming through to trying to be like a leader or a standard setter and almost... Because so I'm, I presume someone has to step up and replace like those kind of large characters or those kind of very well-known talents. Has that has that been kind of on your radar?
1: Um, I suppose like I, I kind of just go into the gang and you know as players leave and you know the group changes then the dynamic of the group does change and um, so like people do need to stand up and you know um. I suppose, like, you just go into a game and give it your all. I wouldn't really be thinking about, you know, what other people are thinking, but, like, you're just going to go into the game and give it your all and um, hope that, like, you can replicate what the other girls before you have done. And, like, I was playing with, like, some of those big characters and big leaders for many years. So, um, like, we knew what was required to to win games and to put in the hard work and, and, you know, to be... Clever when you're in games and, you know, learn lessons together and uh, dig deep for each other, basically, yeah.
0: And when you look back now, is there anything you can kind of put your finger on or kind of any clues there in terms of, of being a team that sustain, sustained that successfully or for like to win four in a row? Like what, is, is there two or three things there that, you know, when you put your finger on, yeah, we need to either get back to that or we're going to need to have that to get back there again?
1: Hey, well, I suppose I couldn't put my finger on it. To be honest, it's like I suppose it's ever changing. And in a team environment, you know, if the dynamic is good and people are working hard, then and um, you know that's great. But and um, trying to you know, I don't know. Every team is different, so it's hard to say. I think.
0: Yeah. And then, for sure, every team is different. And then, like obviously, you, as of right now, like when you're biggest rivals Meade that have like it just so happens to be your neighbour like what's when I look back to the records like there's kind of like there's a core team that dominates it for a large chunk of time then you come along and dominate it for four years Meet are there now haven't put back to back like what's that kind of those rivalries like now and kind of the dynamics at play with those kind of I, I know Mayo have been there throughout as well like what are those kind of rivalries like and the kind of the dynamics like at the moment in at the top end of, of the championship
1: yeah um, it's definitely very competitive um, I think you know Meath are come up and you know blown everybody away um, And but then there's also like Kerry Mayo Cork I think everybody's kind of flying it this year especially so it'll be interesting to see how the championship goes because you know you can't it's very hard to call it and as you said like in ladies football there kind of has been one team that has dominated for like over long periods or for a few years, so um, at the minute, I think that's kind of changed, and it's um, it's definitely different in that way that you really it'd be hard to call it now at this stage. Like, do you think do you think the game is like better for that in terms
0: of that kind of those three, four, five teams pushing? Like, does that make in some ways does that help make use better? But also, I know like the iron sharpens iron or whatever comes to mind, like where there's kind of four or five going for it. Do you think that is driving the game to a higher standard and a better level than than what it has been, is, or 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 is it just like you know the same as it always was, but there's just a couple that are good right now?
1: I don't know. I think um I think the fact that every match would really matter, like you know everybody has to be on their game all the time, which can only bring the standards up in every match. And um yeah, I think it's definitely. Like the standard of the game is definitely going up because everybody is improving and, you know, teams play different ways and, you know, trying to figure it out. And, you know, yeah, I think the tactically wise, the ladies football is definitely, you know, it really like in the last few years, it's gone up so much from when I started anyways. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely bringing the standard of the game along.
0: I was just thinking there, and you mentioned like the, like the game is evolving, and it's evolved like it's evolved at a relatively fast pace in the last couple of years, and it's obviously the popularity has has risen in, in tandem with that. One of the things I was going to ask you about just because I know I'd seen it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, with those clips popping up on Twitter or whatever, with regards to like the physicality aspect of it and the charging rule, and I was curious to get your perspective as like a defender, kind of where you stand on that, and kind of what you would like to see happen from a from a football perspective for for you.
1: Yeah, I suppose there's so much talk about it and it's not really I suppose uh clear just on what the rules are just in terms of referees and stuff. It's not it's not easy to referee a match at all because, you know, tackling is just sometimes if you're charging into someone it's it looks like it could be your fault when, you know, you'd nowhere else to go. and um, so it is hard in that way, but it's um yeah, you know, I don't know, it's a difficult one as well because, you know, I like to play when you're kind of, you know, if the ball's out and, you know, you want to win the ball, like you're going to go down and try and win the ball. But sometimes that can go against you as well. And referees can, you know, call you for that when you were, the intention that you had was to go for the ball, which they'll take it as like being too physical. So I think, you know, maybe like, I think it's hard to, to referee the games as it is, but um and I think there could be maybe a bit of progress on the the rules or the, the physicality of
0: it. And uh, what to that end, like what kind of clarity or what like evolution of that would you like? Because I think everyone would agree with you in regards to the refereeing aspect of it, they're just enforcing rules that are in place, um, to the best to the best that they can. And refereeing is an incredibly hard job and I certainly wouldn't do it. I don't know about you, but in terms of trying to bring some clarity or trying to make the game better or kind of improve that aspect of the game what kind of like as one of like the the leading defenders in the game and someone we've talked about earlier of pride yourself on tackle accounts and that kind of aspect of your game what would you like to see happen there like what would what would a successful evolution look like for you
1: I suppose like you know whatever way the tackle is called in a match that it's consistently called that way so I think that in matches players get annoyed because you know, at the start of the game, someone you know did a really rough tackle and was led away with it. Whereas then, obviously, it's hard to you know ref consistently. But I think there could be like greater clarification on what exactly is considered a tackle, or you know, some teams are you know checking or you know what what's allowed. To go. It's it's not it's not clear really. So um, going into a match, you know, sometimes you have to kind of be careful around how you're going to tackle and. and For younger players coming in as well, it is, you know, hard for them as well to learn the rules. I've been playing for 10 years and I'm still like, I'm not 100% sure what's going to be allowed and what's not. And so, yeah, I think if there is any progress on it, it could be on like the consistency of how the tackle rule is implemented. And yeah. Mm.
0: Okay. Like you mentioned there, you've been playing for 10 years and I was kind of, I was going to ask you like. What have been like the biggest changes in that time window? As we kind of sit here and obviously really grateful of your time and to be able to have this conversation with you. Like when you look back kind of in the rear view mirror, like what have been the biggest changes in that time um, in the sport?
1: Um, <laughs> tough question. Um, I suppose like tactics wise, definitely things have changed. Um, and then like physically things have changed as well. Um, I suppose... The fitness wise, things have gone up so much as well. There's like a lot of things that have changed since I started. I was probably, yeah, very naive coming in. And I know if I was coming into like the setup today, it'd be very different. And um, but it is tough to get up to, I suppose, like physically the, the mark where like, you know, everybody's very strong and, you know, running is like the running is definitely harder <laughs> than when I came in. But then um, Yeah, I think all aspects of the game, the intensity of the game is um, just keeps going up, I think, Um, which is, yeah, only only good.
0: No, definitely. And I think I would like total agreement to kind of what you're talking about there in terms of that like evolution and advancement of the on the field stuff. Like I think the game is in a really good place right now um, on the field. And I suppose I was going to ask you, like just in terms of with with that rise of preparation, with that advancement of like training and supports wrapped around, what's it been like in terms of the off-field advancement then in terms of like keeping up from a player welfare perspective, supports, expenses, like those on that end of the scale, what's that been like over the last kind of 10 years, good and bad, I'm sure?
1: And um, By like supports and stuff, what do you kind of mean by that? All like
0: right. in terms of... As the game and like players have got the the game on the field is advanced, and I suppose I'd ask you like in terms of how has is there been any advancements off the field in terms of player sports Obviously, so I know like WGPA is formed, if that's helpful. Um, so kind of watch some of the progressions there, but also some of the things that need to to be improved as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. With well, the WGPA has been great. Um, like I think I've. Yeah, it's um, off the field. There's definitely been a lot of advancements as well, um, but um, there's definitely still is room for improvement as well. But yeah.
0: So then, like, t- tell us a little bit like those kind of supports or those kind of good developments in the last couple of years from supporting you to be the best that you can be. Like, what has the positive developments been there? Like, what's benefited you, for example?
1: Um, yeah, so with the WGPA, I was um, a recipient of the scholarship during college, which was great. Um, so funding-wise, um, it was a great help in paying for college and trying to get by as well, especially when it's hard to have a part-time job when you're working and training and studying so much. Um, but um, yeah, it's been it's been a really good help. And even when I was deciding to come do this course, um, I linked in with the GPA as well. And um, they were a great help and kind of just kind of, you know, coaching you through your thoughts on like the career change and, you know, what would be the prospects after and um, linking in with, you know, food consultants and, you know, support for if you do end up basically setting up your own business or big or small. Um, but yeah, it's been, there's definitely a lot more support um, off the pitch now than there was when I um, started. yeah Because that, that, that kind of right. stuff, yeah. I was
0: gonna say like that kind of stuff or those kind of opportunities. Like my Ryan's saying like they just wouldn't have existed like in twenty like thirteen or wouldn't have been in place systematically I don't know, maybe if you knew someone who could help you out or whatever, but yeah, like from a
1: I wasn't aware, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think sports scholarships were the the big thing um, when I uh, started playing with Dublin.
0: Okay. And then I'm kind of thinking like you said you've played the last 10 years and then I'm kind of thinking if you were to look ahead in 10 years if you're still playing at that stage fair play to you but also if you're gone like what do you think are the next advancements developments whether it be from the GPA perspective whether it's from a GA perspective that like in terms of the next generation coming through, that you would like to see like you've talked about and acknowledged lots of advancements and that have been great for the game and kind of what you think the next wave of those what you would think or should that look like.
1: Yeah, um it's hard, I suppose, like just to continue this, the work, you know, that's going on in the background at the minute and for like the funding to be there for people going to third level education um, and, you know, I think probably, I think the mental side of the game as well and I know um, the GPA are really good at like reaching out to people and or if people feel the need um, to reach out to the GPA for support, which is great because I think, the last few years maybe have been a bit challenging for everybody. So I think that would definitely be um, a big support. And I think, yeah, that would, if that continues in the next 10 years, I think that would be only a positive.
0: Yeah. Then can I ask you, like, in terms of the next evolution of that, like kind of what your thoughts are around like the expenses issue. And I know it pops up, but I've seen it in media before in terms of, as, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like different counties in ladies' football have different kind of agreements and some have no agreements at all from an expensive point of view. Um and I suppose I'm just kind of curious for like your opinion and thoughts on that. And especially listen, you're coming you're talking to me from Cork right now and you'll be going home to Dublin at games and stuff. Just kinda of like what that's like practically for you and then also in terms of big picture, what the game needs in that area.
1: Yeah, um I suppose like like, everyone is different, you know, people are commuting from all different areas and expenses for people is, you know, different for everyone. But, um, like, I think it would be good if there were, you know, there at the minute there is, like, expenses and people do get expenses, which is great and it's a great help, you know. Um, like, if people are travelling from all over Ireland to, you know, matches or whatever and it is, you know, needed, but I suppose you know, you kind of factor it into your normal life anyway. So um, anything that you get is is a bonus.
0: No, it's like, it just, it was just because I was just curious, obviously just being down in court, like just the practicality of that, like it adds a whole nother layer to both like physically, mentally, emotionally, but also just financially, I'm sure like you're down in the pace and then you want to get home for a weekend if it's family or for training or whatever. Um, in terms of just kind of as we, as, we, as we bring this kind of full loop and, And to a close, like we have kind of reflected on, I suppose, life off the field, life on the field. You're obviously going back to the very beginning, like you're in a very um, immersive experience right now and going through a transition. I suppose I just kind of finish up by talking to you like what you hope kind of the next couple of years looks like and what maybe like a happy, healthy, successful life looks like for you on and off the field.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question. Um. I suppose I
0: try and cope with at least two good <laughs> questions every interview.
1: <laughs> um, for me, okay, um, hopefully still fit playing football, um, and you know, will hopefully have like launched something myself, um, food wise. And I suppose, yeah, once I kind of my playing career comes to an end, that I'll be able to to focus on um, the food side of things, and um, yeah, to continue hopefully to to grow that.
0: <laughs> no, it's great. Like, and I, I really do like it. It's, it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on, like, because there's different pillars of your life, and you've mentioned family tradition, there's football, and there's work, and there's hobbies, and like, it sounds like you certainly are planning on playing for another while. Would I be right in saying that?
1: Yeah. No, I am.
0: <laughs> and that uh, you, you kind of see the next window as like a chance to put some some foundations in or some building blocks in for what maybe you'd like to do after. Have I picked that up right? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that was that would be spot on. Yeah.
0: And then, like, last question for you. So, like, you mentioned kind of the scholarship supports and then, say, tying it t- with the GPA in terms of, like, the career coaching a business startup. Like, is it nice knowing that, like, when that time comes that you know, because obviously the Players Voice podcast series is done in collaboration with the 360, the GPA Player Devo- Development Programme. And like, is it nice to know that like when that time comes to advance, to move on, that like you're not just kind of sitting down to Google by yourself trying to figure out how to, if it is start up a business, Leo, or if it is to register for whatever it may be, like, is it nice knowing that that kind of kind of back to maybe the development of the WGPA, the merger then t- for it to be one organization, for a whole suite of supports to open up? Is there a comfort and a sense of like... Yeah, I suppose a sense of comfort in that to know that when yeah. that time comes, you know, you're not going to be on your own to go and do it.
1: No, definitely. There definitely is. And, you know, that was kind of a big part as well of my decision in like making the leap and coming here because, you know, that there, you know, there will be support as well for you when you do decide or if you do decide to to pursue um, your own business, which, no, it's definitely great. and It's definitely great to have that support there.
0: And then last question, I promise, because I know you've got to go. In terms of other players, be it from your county or other counties who have maybe heard about GPA, BO360, kind of looked at it, not fully sure what it is, haven't engaged in it. Kind of what advice would you have for someone in in terms of those supports and the benefit of engaging with them?
1: Yeah, I definitely encourage um, anyone to reach out. I mean, even if you're not sure if support is offered, just to reach out and, you know, book in with a meeting and just see what support you can avail of. And, um, and it's been a like, huge use to me and um, yeah, I would definitely would encourage it.
0: That's a great note to end on. I just want to say, Leah Caffrey, thanks so much for joining us on The Player's Voice.
1: Of thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: The Player's Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. You can search The Player's Voice on whatever podcast platform you prefer to find previous episodes with the likes of Vicky Wall, Lee Keegan, Ashton Thompson, and Neil McManus. We would also really appreciate it if you rated or reviewed the podcast. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's bio 360 program by visiting bo 360gaelicplayerscom My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant with sports and business leaders around the world, please go to www.realtalkstudy.